Sentient Media. Welcome, everybody. I am thrilled to have with us Jim Mellon, the author of the new book, Moose Law, An Investor's Guide to the New Agrarian Revolution. Did I get that right, Jim? You got it. You enunciated it perfectly. You can do the voiceover on any ads that we do from now on. Perfect. Well done, Mika. Perfect. Good, good. I'll follow up with your team about that after, the, after this. <laughs> Perfect. So, uh, Jim, to get us started, uh, what struck me about this book is that it's, it's actually a massive service you've done. It's, it's, a, it's a thorough look at an upcoming industry with obviously massive financial potential, uh, but also you know, potential to change the world in many other ways. Um, and it is complete with a listing of the players and investment opportunities and so forth. Um, I have read many analyst reports about the industry and the sector, uh, but this is probably the most thorough one that I've seen. What inspired you to write a book like this? Well, thank you very much for your kind words for a start. Um, you know, I am... Uh, as I think most people who are investing in this industry, at least at the moment, primarily motivated by the uh, cruelty involved to our fellow sentient beings on the planet. And uh, so that's my main motivating factor. But obviously we know, and you know, because you're very much immersed in this, that the consumers really are much more motivated by taste, texture, and price. Um, and so we need to get this industry to scale. So this is why the book is called Moore's Law, obviously a riff off the famous Moore's Law. This is why I also riff off grid parity in the electricity industry and use the phrase griddle parity because griddle parity is the holy grail for both the plant-based uh, producers and the um, cell ag producers of meats, fish, and materials. And uh, what really got me excited about this was in the same way that I'm involved in a day job in the biotech industry, the science is catching up with the aspiration of us all to do us, that means the community that we're involved in, um, to do better by the planet, better by human health, better by uh, animals and so forth. And we're, we're, we're there. Um, and we couldn't be at a more exciting time. And most people don't know anything about this. I mean, it's amazing how much ignorance there is about what we're up to. And uh, so I thought, I, I, as I've done before, write a book to order my thoughts, to get access to key opinion leaders, to talk to them during the lockdown and write the book. And um, uh, it's a, it, you know, to give investors, which is what I do for, you know, a living, uh, an opportunity to see what's good and what's bad and what they should be doing and what they shouldn't be doing. And um, obviously we have our own company listed in London called Agronomics, which I think you're familiar with. And uh, we've got a new company called New Agrarian Companies uh, setting up as well. But my main motivating factor is let's stop being cruel, horrible, unethical towards animals. And if people knew what goes on their plates typically, and it's 99% of what goes on their plates in the form of animal protein, they would be horrified. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. So you, uh, there's, there's a couple of things I want to, I want to pursue on, on what you said. So, um, 
both actually to do with your 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 past how did you how did you get to this point why do, why are you so passionate about about this area you have a deep exper expertise and experience in in business and finance um you referred to the the, the biotech background as well uh, but it sounds like there's uh you know you refer to to these these ethical considerations uh it, it sounds like there there's a, there's a personal uh story there as well yeah it's a, it's a great i mean basically nick having spoken to so many people who are involved in this industry i think most of them are motivated uh by the animal issue um the growth of intensive farming since the second world war particularly in the united states uh and the unbelievably horrible conditions in which animals are kept reared uh and eventually slaughtered and um the impact on human health as a result of overuse of antibiotics of hormones uh all that sort of stuff that we are quite familiar with and the emissions of course of being a very big uh element of this as well uh so my own background is i started as a fund manager and uh uh, in Asia and then the United States and back to Asia. I had no interest in any of this, really, to be quite honest, apart from the fact that I love dogs and animals generally. And um, it wasn't until I started getting into the biotech industry, which was close to 20 years ago, and then that became my real passion and focus, that I realized that uh, in parallel to what's happening in biotech, and there's a lot of great stuff happening in biotech, some of the biotech processes were being used in the construction of what we're interested in, which is the cell ag products um, that are beginning to come out of um, companies around the world. And because I understand some of the elements of the biotech processes, I could see that, that although these companies were burdened by biotech prices for their bioreactors, for their growth factors, for their media, all those could come down and are coming down and that it was possible and you know it's more than just a glimmer for us to envisage a day maybe in five years time when the price of which is the tipping point the price of the stuff coming out of uh labs that are producing food could be lower than the conventionally produced and barbaric way in which we currently uh produce animal protein so it it's a confluence of events, but you know, my God, I mean, we are lucky to live in the world that we do today because for the first time ever, we can see a way to avoid the horrific conditions that these poor animals have to live in for our benefit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, yes. The the observation that that a lot of people involved in this in this uh, industry sector really. Uh, I don't know if that's that's an accurate term either. It seems like there's so many different different branches uh, of of this this movement. Um, a lot of people are motivated by the by the ethical considerations, whether it is for for animal suffering, as you outlined, um, or for the environmental or for human reasons. There's there's so many angles to to approach this at. It's it's almost a, almost a blessing in disguise. Um, I think one thing that I, I wanted to wanted to ask you, having looked at looked at different industries and and industry development in the past, so one thing that's um, often the the new agrarian revolution, uh, people and organizations involved in it try to look for models or, or playbooks from the past industries where where things have changed, um, and I wonder if there if if 
if you've identified any kind of like like these kind of macro patterns i'll give you an ex just an example um so the the change that happened in the tobacco industry for instance that was that was primarily driven by regulation and and taxation whereas in this case we are we obviously regulation and and lobbying for example that you touched on in the book uh are important as well but but we are primarily playing with the free market we are i mean we're looking for like you mentioned you know griddle parity like once we get to the point where you know price taste and convenience are are at parity uh it becomes very difficult to see how the how the old model of things things will continue how do you how do you see this is this is this something that's completely unique or or can we learn from other industries and sectors that's a great question Mika. okay so the reason the book's called moose law is because gordon moore nearly 50 years ago, posited, by the way, you can hear my dogs in the background, um, posited that uh, semiconductors would come down in price by 50% every 18 months and would double in efficiency. And the trajectory of the cell ag industry is even better than that, actually, since Mark Post introduced his first cell ag uh, burger. So I'm very encouraged by that. And I'm absolutely convinced that uh, you know, this griddle parity is within sight yeah. uh, and scale up is going to happen very fast, much faster than people think. Uh, I think the lesson that we can learn in the immediate past from the trajectory of this take up is in the uh, alternative milk market. Mm. And uh, half of percent of the U.S. market for milk was alternatives just 10 years ago. And this year it's 20%. I right. mean, last year it was 20%. And two of the largest, in fact, the two largest dairy producers in the United States, Borden and Dean, went bust in the last year because the tipping point in agriculture, because the margins are so thin, yes. is, is early. It's not, you know, if they, if they lose 20% of the market, they go bust. Um, in meat, I think the same thing <laughs> will happen, uh, which is why the Cargills and Tysons and JBSs of the world are very interested in investing in, in the alternative, initially in plant-based stuff, of course, but ultimately they'll be in, involved in the uh, cell ag stuff uh, as well. So I think we look at that trajectory, um, and that's happened really very quickly indeed, and that's happened with plant protein-based milks. Um, not necessarily great for the environment, particularly in the case of almonds, not necessarily better for health but it's just happened. And, you know, when consumers are confronted with the choice of meat or seafood that has no hormones, no antibiotics, no toxins, no nothing that's bad for you, possibly stuff that's good for you, um, and a very positive environmental and, uh, and uh, animal impact, why wouldn't they do it, especially if it's cheaper than the conventional stuff? And so I think the tipping point may be even quicker. And as you know, because you follow this very closely, um, we think X thinks that the tipping point will be 2030. We're nine years away from 50% yep. of the market being plant-based meat or cell ag meat. Uh, I'm absolutely sure that, I mean, I didn't, I was skeptical when I first started writing the book that that was going to happen, mm. but I'm convinced, convinced that's going to happen now. I think, you know, this is going to be an industry that will be overtaken much faster than any other industry in recent history. Wow. That's, that's, uh, yeah, that, that sounds very promising. Uh, this is, I mean, for, for many of these reasons that we've, that we've discussed, but also just for, just in terms of, you know, like the, the, 
past of of you know industry and marketplace development like this is this is an industry that touches everybody in the world like everyone eats food so this is yeah will be will be a massive it, it, massive it does Nico, and you know there's so much good stuff going on it's not just about food and seafood it's about materials so you know cotton can be produced at a lower price without all the fertilizers and pesticides uh without the backbreaking work and the boiling heat that is currently characterized with it, it, it the you can produce threads already that are better than the stuff that's um you know produced um from cotton grown material or whatever you can produce leather already that's cheaper and better than yeah. uh, the leather that's taken off calves calves because the calves are the ones that get killed for the hides basically uh typically for luxury leather and you know there are just so many wonderful things that are happening beyond uh yeah. the meat the seafood and the dairy market and um you know i i i when i started writing the book about 400 million dollars had gone into the sector we represent at the moment we represent about a quarter of all that money um and uh i think it's about a billion now that is either gone or has been committed to the sector I think by the end of this year, it'll be 5 billion. And I'm talking about the cell ag sector. So we're in the midst yep. of a massive revolution. Meanwhile, the noise is focused on oh, vertical farming, um, you know, new techniques of, uh, you know, GPS run tractors and so forth. Those are just noise compared to what's going to happen in the lab grown uh, foods business. They're just noise. That's exciting. That's exciting. Yeah, in this in this variety of, of of things you've seen, has there has there been anything that's that's really like like blown your mind? Like you've seen something that you didn't expect uh, in like the way people do things or techniques? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, from your own country, you know, solar foods, obviously. Oh, think, thank you for mentioning that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I always like to give a plug to the to the nationalities. <laughs> Um, so, as you know, solar foods is producing protein out of thin air, and it yeah. uh, sounds too good to be true, but it, it is true. And uh, it's it's ironic that Finland has almost no solar radiation, uh, but the company's called Solar. <laughs> right. um, but, you know, for I've just been in the Middle East, and I go to the Middle East often. I mean, obviously, they're food insecure. And uh, the stuff that Solar Foods is doing when they've got so much solar radiation and a need for protein that's uh, home developed and homegrown is just tremendous. Um, I was blown away by that. I was totally blown away by the stuff that's going on at Blue Nalu uh, in terms yeah. of seafood, because they'll be on the market in the United States by the end of this year. Um, I'm kind of intrigued by the, well, one of the companies that's involved in the breast milk uh, <laughs> market. Uh, I'm talking about uh, BioMilk. Um, yeah. Not not turtle tree, but biomilk, and um, think that that's a really interesting concept because having lived in Asia for so long, I know that they're really worried about infant formula and the contamination and all that sort of stuff. And uh, that that's a very big market. I mean, people don't realize just how big the infant formula market is around the world, but particularly in Asia. Um, so there's so many strands of this dynamic industry that are going forward. Now we know that the first products on the market will be those that don't require regulation. You don't eat mm. leather, you don't eat threads, you 
don't eat cotton. So that there's no regulatory problem for them. We know that Singapore has recently uh, allowed eat just chicken, um, uh, you know, cell grown chicken to be on the market, although it's a very diluted um, chicken product, mostly plant based stuff. We know that in Israel, you've got um, super meat and their chicken product. Um, so it's all happening quite quickly. My own view is that we'll see uh, meat on the market in the US within about 18 months and in Europe, the same time frame. Um, and then it's, we go to griddle parity. We, we will be there really, really quickly. And it is possible that in cell ag products, we could get below the current price of conventional products. Whereas in plant-based products, I think it's going to be much harder. I think it's going to be much harder for them to get below the price. Um, to get, they can get to rural parity probably by the end of this year in some cases, but not much below. And uh, just looking at all the economics of it. So my money, although we've got a big position in Live Kindly, is largely on the sell ag stuff. Right. Right. Okay. That's, that's an interesting observation as well, for sure. Yeah. And, and you hear my dogs in the background. They are non-meat-eating dogs, oh, wow. <laughs> um, uh, although the cats, as you know, are obligatory carnivores. Yes. The cat we have has to eat uh, some meat. We don't like it, but yes. as soon as there's something available, they're going to get that. Sorry yeah. about the noise, by the way. No, no, no. That's, that's, that's lovely. That's the it adds a bit soundtrack. Of, yeah. It adds a bit of humanity uh, uh, exactly. to the whole, yes. the whole project. Yeah, yeah like, that's, that's true. That's true. And yeah, on the, on the point of cats, like you do cover uh, pet foods as well in the, in the, yeah. in the book. And that's, uh, that's another. I think that's going to be huge. Yeah. Uh, the regulatory pathway is quicker. Yes. Uh, dogs and cats don't care what it looks like as long as it tastes good. And the market is enormous. I mean, yeah. I think in the US, the pet food market is, if I said $60 billion, I don't think I'm far off. And um, so, you know, we humans uh, uh, eat, well, a lot of humans, not you and me, eat a lot of meat. But, um, I, I don't know if this is true or not, but I've, I, I've read uh, from a, a reputable source that the average American will eat 80,000 animals, that includes fish and uh, chickens in their average lifespan that is unbelievable that's that eighty thousand right, yeah. living beings that have to be slaughtered for the benefit of benefit of of one single human right it's right horrible. yeah the scale the scale of of the of the problem is is massive the the statistics are, are just mind-boggling uh i'll need to check this but you know I, I think I, I read somewhere just now that uh, 70% of all living birds on earth right now are waiting to be killed for human consumption. 70% of all birds. So yeah, so this is, this is obviously, obviously these are massive leverage opportunities in this, in this industry to change, change things for the better for, for so many sentient beings out there. So, yeah, I mean, Nico, yeah, yourself, I assume, how long have you been a, uh, non meat eater for uh, non meat eater for eight years now. Right, uh, I'm six. Yeah, and you're much younger than me. Um, I wish I got I got the message or in line with this mission earlier in my life, but it's better late than never. Yes, I mean, you know, since I got into this, there are so many people like you who shine through with goodness and. Um, with a desire to change things, I can't but help feel I'm part of a family of great importance to the future of this world. 
Yes, I I think that's uh I'm I'm happy to hear you feel that way. I I I feel that that sentiment shared by by many in the working in the space as well, whether it's a nonprofit organization or a for-profit um, business trying to trying to get new new products into the market. So yeah, it is it is fascinating. And actually, on that point, I want to let me so let me just just uh, start to get us get us wrapped up um, with this last point. Your book, Jim. That is, that is the the guideposts for investors interested in this in this movement. Uh, that is that's the that's the best like single contained piece of information I've seen for anybody interested in in investing, whether you're from you know small to small to large scale. What are your thoughts for folks who want to get involved in the industry, uh, but not necessarily as investors? You know, young people graduating, looking for job opportunities, trying to decide on on career paths. What would you uh, What would you recommend people to focus on? Oh, that's a great question. Look, I think that this will be a great career path for anyone, anyone who's young and anyone who's motivated. Um, I would just, you know, read up as much as possible about the companies and the industry. In the back of my book, I've got links to all of those companies. So you could actually just yep. email out them out of the blue and then ask them, you know, do you have any opportunities for jobs? What would you recommend, et cetera, et cetera. Create your own network that way. Um, and, uh, you know, join in the newsletters from, uh, from the, the, the charities, particularly the Good Food Institute, um, and just immerse yourself in, in this, this area. But, you know, if there are any young, uh, motivated people who are, you know, have the requisite background and so forth and, and uh, chime with us, we want more people to work with us on this so get in touch with anthony chow my colleague at agronomics because we're looking and we want to hire people and other companies want to hire people this is going to be one of the world's major industries very very soon and it needs people who have a personal commitment i think to the ethics of the industry don't look at it as a cynical way of making money probably will end up making money if you get into the right companies, but look at it, first of all, as a mission, a mission to change the way in which people eat food, a mission to change the way in which we treat fellow sentient beings on this planet. Wow, that's, that's very exciting to hear. Yes, yes, absolutely. This, this conversation has, has filled me with optimism. <laughs> Well, I love talking to you, Miko, and I'm looking forward to meeting you in person at one of Likewise. these conferences in the next year. Let's all get the jab and let's all do good for, for uh, mankind. Perfect. I think that's the plan. Thank you so much for taking the time, Jim. This I enjoyed it a lot. Thanks very much. Perfect.